Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. Today, our guest was a quote-unquote headbanger growing up. He was an introvert and he felt very misunderstood. But when he gave his life to Christ at 19 years old, everything changed for him. But he got caught up in legalism. It kind of messed with him a little bit. But a few years down the line, he was actually taken to heaven. And when he was taken to heaven, he expresses one of the most detailed versions of heaven I've ever heard. And then after that, he experienced hell. And I kid you not, this is one of the most detailed encounters of hell I've ever heard in my life. And he's here to share with us today. Joel Brim, thank you so much for being with us. Jennifer, thank you so much for having me. I've been waiting for this for years. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be here. So really quickly, you said you've been waiting for years for this to happen. Why have you been waiting years for this occasion? That is a good question. I had made multiple attempts um, in writings and other opportunities that I thought were good to go, but the Lord would tell me to wait. Once the Lord began to reveal to me who I am in Him, and I began to walk in that liberty and that freedom, that's when the growth really began really began to happen in my life and fruits of repentance fruits of righteousness and fruits that remain and um here we are it's i just the lord's saying it's time and i know it's going to be time for a lot of believers yeah. to begin sharing their testimony that's how we overcome the world by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony amen amen and i'm glad you chose now as the time so i want you to share with us growing up were you in a household of believers? I absolutely was. My dad used to be a biker in a club called Satan's Crusade. Um, at that time of his life, you know, he, as we were young children, he shared his testimony with us. And he had an encounter with Jesus as well that was incredible and absolutely revolutionized his life. But at that time, when he was an unbeliever, he, he would say, I didn't believe there was a God. But if there was a God, I hated his guts. But once he encountered Jesus, it, his life was just turned around. He married my mother, who's spirit-filled to this day. My Ema is filled with the Holy Spirit and many miracles that I witnessed in our family. So growing up, yes, absolutely devout Christian family. You mentioned to me earlier that you fell away. I mean, you literally fell away from the faith growing up as a teenager. Why did you fall away? Well, I knew from the youngest of ages that um, music was my passion and that of writing music. I would I would empty buckets of, of G.I. Joe's and turn the buckets into snares and toms and run into the kitchen and grab drumsticks for my snares and put on my headphones and just spend hours alone while the whole neighborhood was outside in the street playing football. I didn't care about football. I cared about music. And that was just driven it was my world and it is to this day i mean behind me is my studio and i i just uh it's just my passion and it will be forever and ever so at the age of 11 or so was when music really began to, it wasn't pop music of the 80s anymore these heavy metal bands started coming out and i started going to school and seeing kids with the coats on with their badges on and their hair growing out and i was kind of intrigued by that and then my dad decided to move us out of out of Greeley out to more of a country area. And I ended up going to a different school that was cowboys and football players. And here I am, this long haired guitar playing. And so the rejection, you know, when you're 
preteens, you're trying to identify with who you are to figure yourself out. And you're just in a school where everybody hates you and they don't even know why they don't care. They just do. So I just, I got into the metal scene. I, I, there's something about the style that I found liberating. They, they just wrote what they wrote. They didn't care what people thought we make music and that's that. And that's what I identified with. That's the musician I wanted to be. I write what I write. If people like it, great. If they don't, I'm going to keep writing. Um, but in high school, I did end up becoming friends with a, there was one other person and he was the scariest guy in school. He would walk down the hall and people would part ways. And he befriended me and took me in as a brother. And he actually started teaching me the power metal chords and guitar licks. And we began playing every day together. And he just, he became like a brother to me. Little did I know when I first met him that his mom was a Wiccan. And he would be the one to introduce me to using marijuana, using you know, going down that pathway of drug use. Uh, I really fell into that. I enjoyed getting high and playing guitar. And then he, he would take me deeper and deeper into darker and darker metal bands, eventually into bands that were just flat out morbid, satanic and antichrist. And I, without really checking myself, I just drifted into that darkness. So what did your parents say about you going down that, you know, lane? Because like you said, your mother was a born again believer and your father, I'm sure, was a believer at the time. So what did they say about your change of having the long hair and then now you're into heavy metal music? Yeah, it was turmoil. It was absolute turmoil. They were doing everything they could to talk sense into me. I was rebellious. I just wouldn't listen. And, and it got so bad, even at the age of 16, I just ran away from home. I was like, I'm out of here. And I ended up living with another friend whose parents not only condoned the drug use and alcohol, they just give me some money and share it. I'll buy it. You just share it. That was the only rule. I'll buy it. You just have to share it. Anything and, you wanted, they'll get it. And then how about the Wiccan mother, the mother who was a Wiccan, how does she approach you? I mean, did you just come to his house one day and she just hangs, you know, artifacts in front of you? How does she lure you into witchcraft in a way? Yeah, that was interesting. We had been playing guitar. He went uh, and we would always play in his garage. He went in the house for a minute, came back out and it, it was just interesting. His demeanor was different. Something was different, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And he said, Joel, come inside. I want to show you something. So I came in and his mom was sitting at the kitchen table with all this, these wicked knickknacks that I'd never seen in my life. And she just kind of had this inviting, you know, arousing my curiosity. And she's like, do you want to, do you want to see some cool things? I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I was curious. Again, I was, I, I'm telling you, I was born just spiritually oriented. My spiritual antenna was cranked to the max and it's so always experiencing these things all throughout my life and here's this woman telling me she can show me some really cool stuff and she did and she invited me to she had like a pendulum thing and invited me to ask it questions and and it would begin moving on its own yes no kind of stuff i knew better than to get involved in it but i i put my toes deep enough in the water that um eventually we were trying to come up with a, you know we were going to be rock stars so we were trying to come up with a band name and he came out one day with this poster and he had this demonic thing he had drawn it had a cloak on and it was this green hideous looking demon 
and it's something about it again it just hit me wrong something in my spirit was like this is wrong and he said i got a band name and i said what's that he said necronomicon i was like necronomicon i have yeah, never heard of that what's that he said it's the book of the dead the book just like there's the book of life and those are in heaven well the book of dead are all those names of people who are in hell and i don't know why but i said okay let's do it that very night when i went to bed would begin a series of demonic attacks horrendous horrendous horrible attacks that i can't even describe it would be inappropriate that would go on for another 16, 18 years, almost nightly. The awareness during sleep paralysis, which I'm sure many of your viewers have heard of, where you're paralyzed, you can't move, you can't scream, and demons are coming to torment you, all kinds of things that would happen for years and years and years afterwards. Wow. And it's all because that night you said yes. It was that, that very yes. night that I said yes to that. Wow. It was like I opened the door, I made an agreement with the demonic realm that I really wasn't fully aware of, mm -hmm. but I, I'd made that attachment to them and they were after me. Okay. Now was this after 19 years old or was this a little bit before 19 no. when you gave your life to Jesus? It was prior, but it would continue through the age of 19 even until, okay. the, Lord, until the Lord took care of that. All right. So let's go in <laughs> order. Okay. So you said yes to the satanic realm, I guess you, a satanic realm, um, in your mid to early teens. And at 19 years old, you go to church. And what happens when you go to church? The church incident happened when I was 32, 33 years old. At 19 was when the Holy Spirit began drawing me. I began seeing the emptiness of this road I'd taken. Um, I'm like, oh, great. Here I am with all these demonic entities attached to me, attacking me. I'm a horrible drug user. That's all I think about. That was all I would think about getting high, getting high. Where's the next high? You know, um, I, I was seeing the emptiness, the futility. And but it was the Holy Spirit who began drawing me. And I ended up at a youth group where I met a pastor who gave me the gospel, the real true gospel. And now I'm like, OK, so I believed in God. I believed in Jesus from childhood, but I didn't know them. I didn't know him intimately. And that 19 was when I accepted Jesus, you know, as my Lord and Savior, became baptized and started that journey on that road. But while I'm growing in Christ, these demonic attacks are still happening. They're still happening because the Lord, I know, looking back on it now, he's like, Joel, you have some things to learn. You need deliverance. You need to get back to the root of all of these things, the agreements you've made with Satan. Other things I've done, there's so much I could talk about, but. I had made these agreements and these packs uh, that I, and the Lord was like, we're going to take our time and we're going to deal with these one, but I'm not just going to, you know, the Lord, if he can, sure, he can heal people. And he has the instantaneous healings, but there's many, many others. I think more that it's a journey that he wants to take us through. So I'm going through two things at the same time. I'm walking with the Lord and Satan's not happy about it. So I'm under attack at the same time. And from the age of 19 to 32, again, when I became a believer that I really wasn't mentor. It was like, okay, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so you can go to heaven, get baptized, quit being a druggie and go to church. Have a nice day. That's what I, and I, I thought in order to be closer, but to be closer to Jesus, I had to start doing this and I had to stop doing that. It was up to me to do and not do. And I was grunting with my willpower, but not, you know, nothing. It, it was just the same old thing. It was just a matter of time before I'd fall back 
into those things. So it was 13 years of that before one day. Okay, so now I'm 32, 33 years old. I woke up that Sunday morning and I just, in my spirit, I was, I was just done. I was exhausted spiritually. I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I just threw in the towel. I, I was like, Jesus, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. I try and I try and I try, but I fail and I fail and I fail. Why go to church? I'm just, I'm going to listen to another sermon that I won't adhere to perfectly. And that's going to bring me more down in the dump. So, but right in that moment, that was the, that was really the first time I heard the Lord speak to me. And it was spirit to spirit. He speaks, his spirit speaks to our spirit. And he said, Joel, I want you to go to church. I want you to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters. And he said, come. And I said, okay. And I'm going to go with a good attitude. I'm not going to go with the, you know, I'm going to go with a good attitude. Okay. I just, I'm going to obey you. And so I went. And at, again, being a very introverted person at that time, you know, I sat in the way back in the farthest, darkest corner of the room, but I went. Joel, after that, now you have an experience where you are in heaven. How did you get there? So I went to church just out of pure obedience with the best heart that I could, although I was feeling very down, very depressed, dark. I'd given up on this Christian thing. I couldn't do it. But I went and it this church. Uh, we I sang worship the best I could, you know, just doing my best. But Lord, ugh. so we all sit down and, and Pastor Allen comes out. And he begins giving a sermon, and the sermon was titled, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. So I'm like, okay, I get the gist, but I'll listen. He's given the sermon, and he's only just a couple minutes in, and he stops mid-sentence. His eyes are this wide, and he's looking straight ahead, just staring intently. And everybody's kind of looking around. <laughs> you know, this had never happened before. He's a very down-to-earth person. And we're looking around and no one's saying a word. And then he finally kind of blinks. And it's like he comes back to and he says, guys, this is going to sound really weird. But I just heard from the Lord. And the Lord said, we need to stop the service right now and, and come to him in prayer. He said, please, everybody, just let's close our eyes. And let's, I'm getting the chills. Let's come before. And I'm going to cry a bunch probably. So I'm sorry in advance. Let's come before his throne in prayer. And I'm like, okay. And that's when it, and again, I have no idea what's about to come. I have no idea. I'm just going to close my eyes and pray. So I close my eyes and I'm bowing my head. Now, two things are happening at the exact same time. As I'm closing my eyes, bowing my head, and things are becoming dark, spiritually, oh, hallelujah, my eyes are opening and my head's going up and everything is brilliant and here I am in this place that there is, there is no human tongue that could possibly describe how glorious, how beautiful, how majestic. And I was just take the first thing I remember is I was taken back by the sheer radiance and the power and the glory of God. And uh, the only way I could describe it would be is if you were to stand right in front of a supernova. When that star went boom, it was absolutely incredible. Oh, and it consumed 
it consumed my entire existence. And all I could say was, oh, wow. That was all I could say. Um, I've always said since then, um, there is one word in the human language that should be reserved for God and for him alone. And that is the word awesome. That word belongs to him because that's all I could do was stand there in awe and wonder and oh, wow, was all I could say. I'm standing on a grassy hilltop, pretty large, and the most beautiful grass that you will ever see, the most brilliant greens. Um, you could just lay there and look at one blade of grass for uh, forever, and just flowers you'll never see here on earth, flowers of and colors you won't see here. The, 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 the glory and the majesty of the sky and trees and what amazed me is they were just swaying back and forth in the glory of God, just basking in his glory. And that's when I heard them singing. Everything in heaven, the grass, the flowers, the trees, the rocks, the everything gives praise and glory to God at all times, forever, without ceasing. And I'm just taking this all in. It made me think of how when Jesus said, if you don't praise me, or if you don't let these people praise me, even the rocks will cry out. It was a reflection of heaven, but also literally, literally on earth. The, yeah. the, I, and he was not, he, you know, Jesus doesn't play with words. What he speaks, the absolute perfect truth. And they would have started, you know, when someone, if, uh, so if an unbeliever, let's just say, said to me, so can God create a rock so big he couldn't lift it? I say, yeah, he could. But you know what? He'd lift it anyways. And after that, the rock would start worshiping him out loud. Amen. Literally, the rock would cry out his praise. Amen. That's the God that who loves us and saved us. <laughs> yes. And how about the grass? Because I keep hearing about the grass of heaven. What did it really look like? I know you said it was swaying and it was beautiful. Did it look like the grass? that we have here on earth it's similar but here's the big difference and this gets, some of this is going to sound crazy but the spiritual realm is so far dynamic beyond this temporal physical realm we live in it's not even funny the blades of grass okay here grass is biologically alive in heaven everything is alive they and they were just it's like just it's like how we would dance, if you will. They were swaying and just you could hear them crying out to God. The blades of grass, the flowers, they're alive, alive. Everything is alive and, and just totally, completely saturated by the spirit of God. So you're seeing the trees sway, the leaves, the grass, the flowers. Then what? Yeah. So it was almost like it was the Lord was, you know, he's so kind so kind and so merciful because if i think if he would have just unleashed everything at once i wouldn't have been able to bear it i would have been just like oh well you're here now forever because the rest of you couldn't handle this so welcome home so he had to just kind of do it in you know first it was his glory the glory of god i mean you know there there used to be times in my life that I, like why don't why does God have to be like, what's his deal with being worshiped? Like that's, you know, but until you, you realize the, just who he is and how 
good he is that so much so that Jesus would say to the to the rich man who was just like, what do I got to do? You know, good teacher. Jesus like, no one is good but God because he is good, holy and righteous. And he's been so forbearing with us. His no one, you know, and I'm not going to compare other religions, but I would just say there, there's no one else touches his mercy, his grace, that even while we were his enemies, willfully spitting on salvation, you know, that he still came and he still died on that cross for the whole world. You know, that is love that no, no one else, anyone else in any, you just, no one can touch that. And so that's his glory that he is holy and he's just, he didn't just sweep sin under the rug. He dealt with it and he did it in justice and in truth and in righteousness and in holiness. And so after his glory, obviously was his love that, you know, when, when the psalmist wrote, you know, his love is better than life to your viewers, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you've done or you haven't done, who you've hurt or who's hurt you, God looks past that to who you can become in Jesus. That's who he sees. He sees that the, the Joel that is alive, made alive by his spirit forevermore in Jesus and now walks with Jesus and walks in the power of God. That's who he sees in all of us. And that's why he'll keep working. He'll keep knocking on that door. And his love just consumed me. Um, the peace of God, that began to come over me. And, and in his peace, the, it, it's the complete absence of, you know, what if, why, what about this? How come that? Just all that goes away. Um, you know, when Jesus, you know, the, the verses that I think a lot of us tend to struggle with at times where Jesus said, don't worry about your life. You know, don't worry about all these things. I'm like, Lord, I got to pay rent tomorrow. And I got $5.67 in my bank account. And I'm not supposed to worry about that because I don't want to live in a cardboard box with my cat. He's don't worry. I got, he is so, there is every single detail of our life. There is nothing too small. There's nothing too big. He is totally enraptured with us, each and every one of us. And his peace that surpasses understanding. It doesn't, no matter what we're going through, we have his peace that he is with us. He is going to take us through it. He started this faith. He's going to finish this faith. He's not going to leave anyone behind. He's never going to forsake us. And that peace, that shalom peace came over me. And this stuff is just coming over me at waves. Ever wanted the experience of attending a genuine royal ball? Well, here's your chance. Join Deep Believer Ministries for one of the grandest, most powerful events ever to solely honor King Jesus with a night with the King at the Broadmoor. Enjoy the magnificent grounds, accommodations, and fine dining of the five-star, five-diamond, exquisite Broadmoor Resort in Colorado Springs, Colorado. A night with the King at the Broadmoor is a very royal, very formal three days, two nights conference that will provide you with hands-on training for true Christian supernatural living by renowned teachers and evangelists. This includes training in multiple areas of healing, deliverance, spiritual warfare, 
how to walk out the abundant Christian life, as well as how to obtain success in finances God's way. Then, for the royal evening, soak in the ambiance of white tablecloth gourmet dining, live brass and stringed instruments, acclaimed Christian singers and worshipers. And what's a royal ball without ballroom dancing? Don't know how? Complimentary ballroom dance lessons are included. A night with the King at the Broadmoor will be a night of complete honor and reverence to our King Jesus and will be like nothing you've possibly ever experienced. We hope to see you there for this stately, eventful night. While this peace is coming over you and waves, did you get a chance to see Jesus? Amazingly, yes. I was not prepared for that. You know, I began looking in, ahead of me off this hill, and I saw this glorious valley. Um, I always say, Rivendell, eat your heart out. This valley was just immaculate. I mean, everything is immaculate in heaven. Absolute, pristine perfection. And this valley is going on. And inside this valley, I see multitudes and multitudes. Of I, could, I don't even know. Millions upon millions of people. Um, and it is this celebration going on. There and, and in heaven. Okay, now remember, introvert, okay? Total introvert. And here's these people. Not one of them had a personal bubble. There's no personal space. There's no, Everybody knows everybody perfectly, intimately. You can go up to someone you've never seen, grab them by the arms and start swinging in circles. And, and all they'll do is laugh hysterically with you. There are, there's no such thing as strangers. You just, everybody knows everybody perfectly. And there's such intimacy, such a harmony. And so just like Jesus said, you gotta be like children. They just don't care. They just jump and leap. And that's what people were doing. People were just leaping in the air. Everyone, music of all kinds, of from every tribe, tongue, and nation, dancing, jumping. People just, it was just shouting praises to God. It was like a triumphant thing. And I, and I, was, I was kind of surprised too, because prior to this happening, right, when I always pictured heaven, I always thought, okay, you kind of, God takes a white blanket, he cuts a hole in it and puts it over you and that's your robe and you better like it, you know? That's heaven. That's how we dress here in heaven. And it was not like that there. Yes, everyone's robes were made pure white by the blood of the lamb. But the patterns on each one were sewn uniquely. Some had like red embroidery or blue or gold. Everyone's, everyone looked unique. You know, when the Lord clothes us in his righteousness, he makes sure we look good. And everyone looked spectacular. Everyone was just, oh, so amazing. But I'm alone on this hilltop, simply observing all this, just taking it. I had my hands like that. I was just taking it all in. When off to my right, I see the crowd begin to part open and people are whispering to each other in, you know, in excited anticipation. And in walks this man. He is robed and crowned as the king of kings and lord of lords. His splendor and his majesty can only be revered and never equaled. 
in him is life and this life is is the light of men of mankind he wasn't you know some priestly people we have on earth really adorn themselves right they do it up and they have the, all the it wasn't like that his attire portrayed who he is the son of god and here's what's weird the only way i can describe it in the physical sense would be like this if you were to close your left eye and, and look at jesus look at him this man right he had a white robe he had the golden sash his crown you know it, it wasn't show-offish if you will but it was just the crown of all crowns and it emanated the glory of god it with such power and magnitude I would I would think that if you if it, if you were someone who did not know God, you you would just be completely decimated. It, it, you just could not exist in this presence of this glory. You would you would just be gone. Um, but if you closed your left eye and looked at him with your right eye, he had on it was like a purple robe, kind of some bluish hues, and on his chest were these rows of stones, and he had a golden staff in his right hand. So he was king and the high priest. And I was seeing this all at once, all at once. And um, here's what threw me for a loop. All of this splendor, this glory, this majesty, power, dominion, authority, all of that didn't seem to mean anything to him. What mattered to him were the people in front of him. He went straight for the first person, person to him. He grabbed onto them so tight. And that person, they had their arms wrapped around each other so tight, Jennifer. And they were just swaying and hugging. And then, you know, Jesus took him by the arm. I mean, his, it was like it was just those two. And everything else disappeared. And I, everybody was okay with it. Everybody's just like, ah, oh, this is so beautiful. And they and the he and the Jesus he and this person are talking to each other, and the person said something, and Jesus began laughing. I mean, his head was going back, his chest was bouncing. They were both laughing hysterically. He loves to laugh. I'm telling you, he loves to laugh, and he has the most amazing smile. But finally, once he laughed, it was like something kind of loosened up in me, you know, and that finally I could talk, and I said, "It's Jesus." It's Jesus. That's all he cared about. His glory and all that. It is what it is. But if there's one thing I want your viewers to take out of this is his love for us. Jesus, it, if you're a human being and if you have breath in your lungs, you have to understand that you were purposefully, fearfully, and wonderfully created by God. He, before even the universe began, the lamb who was slain before even the foundations of the earth, he had everything covered and he had you in mind, a purpose, a destiny. Whether it's one talent, five talents, 10 talents, a hundred talents, he has given you something to do on this earth. Go get it and trust in him. He will lead you the whole way. He loves us so much. 
that and it sounds strange but it's the truth it was his joy that if it took him enduring such a horrific death a slow death a pitiful death being mocked spit on beat tortured hanging there for hours and hours the worst of it all being absolutely forsaken by his own father to take on my sin in order that I could be cleansed and have a new life in him, he said, absolutely, I'll do it. If that will save Joel, if that will save Jennifer, if that will save you and you, I'll do it. And he did it. He proved, he demonstrated his love. God is the author of love. He is love. If you are someone who's just tired of feeling rejected, tired of feeling like the black sheep, tired of being in a world where you just, nobody seems to care. If you want to experience true, absolute love in its purest form, you go straight to the Father. And Jesus, he made a promise that of anyone who would come to him, he would by no means turn them away. I've had people say, Joel, you don't even, if you only knew what I did. I said, you know what? I don't know what you did. God knows what you did. And Jesus died for you too. If you are a serial not so nice person that takes the lives of innocent people. Jesus died for you too, and he will turn your life around and wash that all away and right the wrongs and restore it. He's about re restoration. And um, then I saw his eyes. And that would have to be of, of, of this entire heaven experience, the, 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 that, just did me in his eyes were so true and pure and beautiful what i i know that people have seen jesus with different colored eyes and that's fine but i'm telling you what i saw his eyes were brilliant like pure living water like a brilliant blue on the outside and a light emerald green on the inside with a gold shimmer his eyes see everything everything about you there's nothing hidden from him whoever you are you, you there's nothing hidden from him and he still is madly in love with you and wants you to have a relationship with him and you can't have a relationship with someone who doesn't exist and that's my that's my god challenge to the whole world give him a chance do it with do it with the right heart and do it with your whole heart and brace for impact because he will not turn you away no matter who you are and um his eyes the other thing i saw in his eyes i saw you know this glorious sight but i saw this reality this hard hard reality too in his eyes jesus will not tolerate lies mm. he will not tolerate those who practice deceit mm. his in his eyes is truth so he's talking to this person well, he, he moved on to another person and he's talking with them and they're having fellowship. So he's kind of facing a little bit this way, if you will. He's talking with him and all of a sudden he straightens up, he stops talking, he straightens up and his head turns and his eyes pierce directly into mine. And I stumbled backward. I almost fell over backwards. And then his body aligned with his face, almost like a military turn. And he began walking straight towards me. He never blinked. He never looked away. His eyes 
were locked into mine. And I knew he could see the good, the bad, and the ugly, but he wanted to spend time with me. And I freaked out. I cried out, no, no, there is no way that you who are holy and righteous are going to have anything to do with me. A hard-hearted, willful, stiff-necked, miserable, wretched, poor, blind sinner. And I turned around and I began running in the opposite direction away from Jesus. Go figure. In heaven, that, and that's an amazing thing. In heaven, you have free will. You can be, you're you. You're not like, you're not like this. I am a holy robot now. I can only say good things and do. You're still you. There's just no more curse of sin. It is gone. That is all done away with. And now you can you have this harmony with God. His life is in you, through you, out of you, back in and out. And everything is just harmony. Everything's connected. So it's beautiful. So yeah, um, turn around and run. You're not going to get far because I ran and ran. And I began hearing his, you know, I began hearing him run behind me. And I, I remember, the, wow, he runs faster than I do, even uphill. Because he had to run uphill to get to me. And it got to a point where I just, I knew it was pointless to, to keep running. So Jesus chased you. I'm sorry. This is beautiful. Um, you ran he, and Jesus ran after you. He started. Yeah. And wow. the weird thing, here's another cool thing about the spiritual dynamics is you can see whatever you want to see. You don't have to turn your head. So I'm, I'm running, but I could somehow in the spirit, I could see him. He was moving people out of the way in urgency, you know, you know, making his way. To, and then he got through the crowd and He's taken off for me. He's chasing me down. He wow. was chasing me. And so I, I stopped, but there was no way I was turning around. There was no way. I stopped and just dropped my head. And then I, I felt his arms go around me like this. He just, his arms went around me and he pulled me in. I could feel his chest on my back and I could feel him press his cheek. I could feel his beard right here. He held me. I have never been held and loved like that ever. I love you, mom. But I mean, his love is, there's no love like his love. There just isn't. Nothing compares. And he held me so tight. And um, then he whispered in my ear. He said, Joel, now remember that sermon, the sermon title, right? He said, Joel, you're not looking for love in all the wrong places. You're here in fellowship. You're right where I want you to be. But he said, Joel, you keep running from me. And I began sobbing. I just began sobbing. And it wasn't a sad, guilty. You're just that realization. You know, it's it's a good thing to be convicted. It's a If you're a person and you're living in a way and you're not feeling conviction you need to be worried you need feel, conviction is good that's a good thing that's the lord poking you to get in the right direction but it, it was a good conviction i just began sobbing you know because it was true i was constantly running from him and he said joel stop running from me let me love you i love you right here i love you right where you're at in life he said, there is nothing you can do to make me love you more than I already do right now and forevermore. Amen. And I said, yes, Lord. And then I began to feel 
it was like warm oil being poured over the top of my head and it went all the way down my entire body and it was the i don't even that one i wouldn't even begin to tell you how to describe that it was so i went completely limp if jesus would have let go of me i would have just plopped on the ground now i was it was just so amazing the anointing just came all over me and um, at that point i began to hear like not heaven sounds and i'm like and i started i it was like that's people praying and then i kind of started blinking and i had been crying so hard my eyes were like almost swollen shut i literally had snot from <laughs> and yeah i didn't even know it you know until i looked down i'm like oh my gosh i'm embarrassed and i'm like oh yeah i'm at church i'm at church and everybody's praying oh yeah and so i'm like looking around I'm like okay i'm, I'm on earth now I'm, I'm back on earth and in that moment the god spoke to me and his voice whoo his voice thundered with authority it was it's always loving. His voice is always loving, but it was power and it was authority like thunder. He said, the place you are in is holy. Remove your shoes. Wow. And I said, yes, sir. Now, again, still a metalhead. So I had combat boots on. <laughs> so I, you had to untie them. I had to undo my combat <laughs> boots from the top down. And I, you know, in that moment, I was no longer an introvert. I just, what people thought of me meant it did, didn't mean anything. The Lord spoke and I'm going to obey him. So I'm unlacing these shoes and people were nice. You know, they would look over. Of course, this guy's, you know, he's taking off his boots next to me. What's, you know, but they were nice. I took off my boots. I got on my knees right there and I just, I couldn't praise him enough. I couldn't worship him enough. I couldn't glorify him enough. And it was then I realized, like, this is why we're going to be in heaven forever, because that is exactly how long it's going to take to worship God the way he deserves. It is going to take exactly infinity. That is how marvelous and wonderful, wonderful, wonderful our Heavenly Father is. So you said once you came out of this, you were no longer an introvert. So were you talking to everybody in the room after that or how did it look for you you know i wasn't because i thought about it um the pastor allen came back up after you know because people i've been praying for some time and he came back up and at first i wanted to run up there and grab the mic out of his hand and be, you guys aren't gonna believe what i just saw you are you guys but you know it, it, the minute i thought that i thought of what paul said that you know our fellowship needs to be decent and orderly and you doing that is just going to cause disruption, you know, so don't. But I did go up, you know, in front of the altar, the, the steps, and I just laid prostrate and just worshiped the Lord the rest of the time. And someone did come. They laid, I didn't look back, but they laid their hands on me and prayed. And they were there, you know, everybody was really cool about it. And I think they kind of had a sense that something, because I, I serious, my eyes were swollen shut. I, I was just... I, I was done for. I was done for in the glory of God. And I think people could see that and knew. And so everyone was nice about it. You know, I, I wouldn't say like, that was it. I've never been an introvert since. But I was like, that was a wonderful experience. Lord, I want to go more into this. No more being an introvert thing. And the, the Lord answered those prayers. He would open up these opportunities. Uh, as one example, I became a lead vocalist for a band. Now, 
when they offered this to me, I was actually recording the band. That's what I was doing. I was just the engineer, but their vocalist uh, had some problems with his voice and had to bow out. So their the founder, he came up to me. He's like, you. I was like, me what? We want you to audition. And I was like, haha, that's funny. I don't think so. He's like, no, man, you got it. Come on. And I thought if I don't at least try this, I'll regret it the rest of my life. And I'll be darned. I, I just, something happened. So when I got up on stage, I would be terrified beforehand. But as soon as those lights came on, it was like, chink. And I would just let go, win the crowd and just, and I was like, wow, this is crazy, Lord. I didn't know I had this in me. And he would just on and on, just having these divine appointments, like going to a convenience store and some random stranger would just be like, excuse me. And I'm like, yeah, he'd be like, what do I need to do? I'm like, what do you need to do? What? He said, I need to be saved. I'm, I'm, he showed me his arms. He'd been using, he'd been shooting up so much cocaine. He, his veins were purple, black, and he looked horrible. And I just, and the Holy Spirit, of course, the Holy Spirit's right there. Like you give this guy the truth. Political correctness is out the door. The truth, lay it on him and pray with him. And just, so I'm like, I just, He's been working through that and it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So, but you did mention earlier how, you know, you had sleep paralysis because of your yes moment when you were a teenager to um, witchcraft, to that realm. How was your life after you came from heaven? Yeah, um, the there was one part of this journey that it was tough. I had become severely addicted to alcohol too even to the point where i was hospitalized for pancreatitis i spent almost three weeks in icu i had to learn how to walk again i and even after coming out of the hospital i, I was like i'll never drink again and uh the very next day there i was it was horrendous it cost me my marriage it cost me everything everything that alcohol could destroy it destroyed but i still couldn't stop and but little did i know jesus is taking me on this journey and I had to be patient and I had to trust in him. He showed me that he could deliver. I was healed when I was 11 from a sickness. I, I'd experienced all those instant things. And now he's like, now you're going to go on a journey with me. While all that's happening, yeah, the sleep paralysis, these demonic attacks, uh, it, gosh, they're just awful. I had, it got to a point where I could, I can honestly tell you right now, I, I would have to say I've seen every kind of demon in every kind of form that you can imagine. Um, from the, the short little three foot tall black shadow guys to the lizard ones, to um, prince demons that were so big, this demon had me in its hands and it, it was like pinky, ring finger, middle finger, index finger. Its hand was that big and it was just crushing me. But And again, all of these, the Lord intervened. And, and it's crazy because they seem so powerful and you, it seems so helpless, but when Jesus shows up, they scream and they run. It's like it's like a gnat to a wrecking ball, you know? It's just like, wow, Jesus, you are so awesome. He comes every time. So it was just every kind of um, encounters with Satan himself. I mean, every kind of um, what people would call the extraterrestrials or greys, they are demonic entities. Joel, during this time now, you're married to your wife at the time. And she begins to get attacked. Why was she getting attacked? Because I'm sure she had no idea what was happening or what was going on. Why was she getting attacked? 
you'll hear about this too when I talk about the hell experience. There's just this, there's one word that just keeps popping up whenever you're talking about evil, the demonic realm, and that's the word torment. That's what they want to do. They they want to torment you and break you down. But I had been it had been 16 or plus years of dealing with this to where I became sort of callous to it. Uh, yes, it bothered me. Yes, it scared me, but I just became callous to it. And so in order to keep tormenting me, they obviously decided, well, if it's not bothering him anymore, we'll start attacking his wife because that will bother him. That will bother him a whole lot. And so they switched to her. Wow. Wow. And then so you showed us pictures. And so these pictures shows what happened to your wife. Could you explain that for us, Joel? Yes. Yes. Um, we were alone in the house. Um, her daughters were with her ex at the time. I was in the living room watching TV. My cat was on the couch sleeping and my wife decided she wanted to take a shower. So she's in there taking a shower and I'm watching TV. And all of a sudden I hear this blood curdling scream and I shot up out of my chair. I kicked in the bathroom door and I hear crying behind the shower curtain. So I kick the curtains open and she's sitting, hugging her knees, just crying. I'm like, what is going on? She said, Joel, my back, it burns. I felt something scratch me. And so I, you know, I shut the shower off and I towel her off. I look and on her back are these hideous scratch marks and bruises on her back. And, uh, that, you know, that was it for me. I, I, I held her and I, you know, once she calmed down, I said, you know, it's, it's time to go to battle. You know, now they're, now they're, they're wanting to attack you to torment me. Mm. Enough is enough. And that's when we began real spiritual warfare from that point forward. So did you, I mean, did, did you mention to her that this was, this is why you're being attacked? Did you tell her? Once she calmed down, I have to be honest. I said, I told you, you didn't want to believe me. I told you and I told you and you didn't want to believe me. Now do you believe me? And she's like, yes, yes. And I'm sorry. I should have taken you seriously. I said, you know, this is real. You know, as Christians, we have to remember, we have to take this very seriously that we are at war. The time for tiptoeing through the tulips is coming, but right now we, we, we are called to have our spiritual armor on at all times to, to be, to walk circumspectly. Like we are on alert, we're on the lookout and it's not, it's not a hard thing to do. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We just be aware that this is real. And especially when, when you really begin to take, you know, serving Jesus seriously and moving forward for the, for the kingdom purpose, Satan does not like that. And he, I'm not saying everybody, but don't be surprised if he tries to throw things at you, he'll, he'll throw whatever he can to try to stop you. And we just have to cast that down. Amen. Amen. And you mentioned throwing things at you. Well, let's talk about what you mentioned to me earlier, throwing things. How about across the sky, UFOs? What do you say about UFOs? Yeah. You know, again, um, the reality is, is that um, humanity is intrigued by this. We're captivated by this. Now we're seeing government releasing things that they used to say didn't exist. We're seeing the world becoming more accepting of this, but they have a message, right? They have a message for humanity. They're watching us. They're observing us. They, they want us to evolve to this next level of consciousness so that we can ascend and become one as humanity. And it's this whole one world thing that they're bringing in. 
And um, what what really shocked me in my research, because again, I had had many experiences with that whole realm of it too, including one that it, our entire family saw this stuff. Uh, and it included federal agents. I saw the Men in Black before the X Files came out. I saw. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because the Men in Black is actually a real thing. It's not it just the movie. Absolutely is. I just learned that. Yeah. 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 We had gone camping, had an experience. We were leaving the next day, and there's a, a Chevy Suburban U.S. government license plate and two guys, black suits with the black ties and sunglasses, walking around. And we, when we go camping, we go in the middle of nowhere, mountains. Like there's nobody. There's nobody. And here's this government truck and these two guys. It was crazy. Um, so many experiences with that. But uh, eventually at one point, I woke up one morning. I was getting ready to go to work, but I just felt lousy. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down on the couch, sleep for about an hour, you know, snap out of it, and I'll get to work. Well, when I went to sleep, the Lord gave me a dream. And the gist of the whole thing was I was uh, in a desert kind of an area. All of these UFOs just appeared, and they looked really weird. And they began flying towards me and passed me overhead. And in my dream, I knew they were flying directly east towards Jerusalem. We know in, ironically, the book of Joel, right? That it, it will come in the days I'll pour out my spirit and people will prophesy and have dreams and visions. So you know when, when the Lord gives you a dream, and we see that all throughout the Bible, the Lord gives, gives people dreams, men and women dreams. Um, you know when it's a spiritual dream. You just know. You experience it so differently, so vividly. I could smell smells. It was just so real. And I knew these entities were headed straight for Jerusalem to attack. In some way, shape, or form, Jerusalem was going to come under attack in a supernatural way. The enemy was just coming. Like, I'm going to hit Jerusalem with everything I got. It's It was just a now or never kind of attack. And I saw United States Air Force jets and Okay, so I wake up from the dream. And I was like, wow, that was weird. What was that about, Lord? And I just kind of felt something weird on the inside of my leg. And that's the second picture I showed you. Now, I, I just plopped. I had my work. I, I didn't even take my boots off. I just I had all my work clothes on. I just plopped on the couch. So when I woke up, I'm feeling this weird feeling on the inside of my leg. And I pulled my pant leg up. And there's the other photo you see of a, it's like a point. And here's what's weird. The, the direction that that was pointing was directly east. And you'll notice there's seven dots. Seven dots go, it's like an arrow or a reverse V. And there's seven dots on my leg pointing, and it was pointing directly east. And then there's just been so much more that's, uh, it's interesting how in Revelation, John said, John describes seeing three demons come out of the mouth of the beast, the false prophet, and the dragon. And it's the only place, and I've asked people time and time again, tell me one other place in the entire word of God where the demon has described what it looks like. And I have not seen it, and no one has been able to say, oh yeah, there's this other verse. This is the only verse where John, what he's seeing is so profound, he describes them. And he says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. That's interesting. You look at these gray aliens. What do they look like? If John saw them and had to describe it, he's like, they got this eyes and the finger. That kind of looks like a frog. And they come out of the mouth, meaning they're being proclaimed. And I guarantee you, when Antichrist shows up, that's when the UFO thing is really going to take off. And that's going to be one of his signs and wonders to convince the world. Because these, these aliens are going to approve of him. And he's going to, it's just going to be this whole facade, this whole show. And, and that, that's going to be one of the big final deceptions of the world. 
Mm, mm. So I just I caution people. Yeah, um, these aliens yeah. are demons. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I believe they're one of the highest forms too, because in my encounters with them, what's strange is, and this is anybody, anybody who's seen them say, what's weird is you're absolutely terrified, but they are absolutely emotionless. Wow. So they're void of any feeling yeah. or anything. They're just But their intelligence is beyond, which is how they can defy physics and mm. do interdimensional things. So I, I personally believe like a demon, a sub-demon, if you will, will be sent on missions. And once they complete, once they can do a certain amount and prove themselves to their master, they will ascend. So those demons are horrific. They are out of their minds with evil and hatred. They are just wild, right? Then they ascend to the, it's like an opposite where now they have no emotion and all intelligence. And they use that to, in any way, shape or form that they can deceive mankind. And that's what we're seeing today. Wow. This fascination. It is a fascination. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Well, staying on topic now, I mean, let's talk about demons in a sense where you described hell in a way that I don't think I've heard in this quite amount of detail um, when it comes to specifics. You said that, I mean, you encounter hell and... I mean, you should, I asked you if you're a writer, because when you sent us this, <laughs> I said, is this a book? Is he writing me a book? Because I'm just reading everything in such detail and the quality was so fine. Tell us what happened. How did you get to hell? And tell the audience, what did you see? Because this may be a salvation moment for a lot of people. I mean, the heaven testimony in itself, how Jesus chased you should be the salvation moment, but the hell testimony, I'm sure it's going to be a salvation moment for a lot of people. Tell us the story of how you went to hell. Yeah. Oh, I pray that it is. And I have to say before I begin this, this, this is all about Jesus. I need your viewers to know that this is all about him. Turn to him, call on his name. He will take hold of your life and change you from the inside out. Okay. Um, so at this point, I'm I'm married. Uh, in fact, we had just finally purchased a new home. We had been living in a 1977 trailer, and it it was no fun. That thing leaked everywhere. It's uh... anyway. So we finally fixed that thing up, sold it, and got into a home. It was just beautiful, loving. It. Okay, it was. I swear, it had to have been a Wednesday because the day was just void of any and all drama. The day just went. And I was like, wow, cool, I'll, I'll take that. So I get home, we make dinner. It's just normal as normal can be. Eat dinner, watch some TV, and we're off to bed. Um, we kissed, I love you, I love you, good night, good night. I rolled over to my side that faces the window and I closed my eyes. Now, never in my life have I ever closed my eyes and fallen asleep. I am a light sleeper, it takes me a while to fall asleep to just kind of wind down and then I fall asleep. But in this instance, as soon as I closed my eyes, I was no longer on earth and I knew I was no longer in my body. There was no introduction. I know people have descended into hell. They've seen the gates of, you know, they're brought into the gates of hell. They've seen all that. There was none of that for me. I was instantly in a place of sheer terror, and horrors 
unimaginable to the human mind as it is here in this realm. Immediately, these flames that were so intense and so hot, the flames were mostly a pinkish white color. It was that intense of an inferno was sweeping across uh, from my right to my left. And instantly, as you can imagine, this the pain is just unreal. It's it, the frustrating part about sharing these kind of testimonies is there just aren't the adequate words, you know. So you really got to use your imagination. Um, I remember one time after this experience, I was I think it was like I was watching like a space shuttle, you know, at liftoff, and when I saw those flames coming out of the engines, I had to change channels. It was that I was like that was nearly what was coming over me. And I began screaming. I was not crying out like a man. I was not wailing. I was literally screaming at the top of my lungs in pain, like someone who was being murdered. It was that brutal. Now, again, the spiritual realm, far, infinitely more dynamic than this realm. This realm, you you can only experience so much of certain things at a certain time. And the spiritual, myriads of things happen at the exact same time. And when you're there, it makes sense, you know? But then when you come back to earth, it's kind of like, wow, how, how did that, how, how did that make sense? Well, it just did. So two things were happening at the same time. In this place I was in, you know, fire consumes oxygen, right? I just knew, you just know. In the spirit, you just know. There was no air. There was no water, there was no light, and there was no life. Those things, absolutely non-existent. And all there was was like sulfur fumes, toxic, toxic, acidic. And so I couldn't breathe. So you have to imagine you're suffocating, 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 constant suffocation, but you don't die. You're like at that final moment of absolute panic, grabbing for anything, just fighting for air. And all you can suck in is toxic fumes that just burn all the way in. And you're just like, and th while that's happening at the exact same time, I am screaming at the absolute top of my lungs. I still to this day, well, obviously it was because it, uh, you know, I'm, I was in spirit, but if, I, if that would have happened in the physical, my throat would have just ripped out or gave out on me. But where I was, it didn't. And you're just screaming and suffocating at the exact same time. And as, this, as I kind of saw the flames come across and over me, I looked down at my arm. <laughs> I think everybody's seen. Who was that That ice man that they found? Odie or something? Someone from way back. that it got I didn't know that. The, no. uh, what was his name? Um, but they're finding more and more of these mummies that, you know, they died. And then the uh, icebergs went over them. And then they melted. And they're, they're okay. finding these thousands of year old people yeah well the way that body looked is exactly how i looked it was i was a shriveled skinny rotting corpse so you know on our physical side i know when we when people like oh, i saw ghosts i saw this misty i know it looks like that but when you're fully immersed in the spiritual you are spirit body it's different than this physical one it's made out of dirt it's a spirit body. And that's what I was, a spirit body. 
And the difference is these bodies die and go back to the earth, but your spirit self, which is who you truly are, goes on forever. And so what I would, these flames are, I look at my arm and I'm just like, I'm appalled. The smell coming off of me, it was death and decay. And my arm, it was purple, green, yellow, just rotting, skinny. I could see bones, you know, it just, it was horrible. And the, and my flesh on my left arm was burning and sizzling. And it just chunks of that flesh would just fall off while still on fire and hit the ground. And I remember, I'm, again, I'm just, I'm in shock. I looked over at my right arm and it was the same thing, just chunks of me just falling off. But when I looked back to my left arm, that flesh that had just fallen off was back and it was burning and sizzling. So wherever you look, the other, the things you aren't looking at are regenerating and you're just, and that's how uh, I've heard, I had uh, one, well, how can you be in hell? You're just going to burn up and, and, you know, then you cease to exist. I was like, no, no, that is not the case. Every part of you you're not looking at is regenerating and burning, burning, burning with the most intense heat. I'm not talking the ovens at 500 degrees. It is an inferno. It is an outrage of a firestorm totally consuming you. I'm, and again, the whole time this is happening, I'm suffocating and screaming. I need the viewers to understand that, okay? But you're trying to look for something, right? You're just anything, anything. Well, but once my mindset got to that, like I'm trying to like understand just anything but this pain, this indescribable pain that is consuming me. Well, then I began to hear screams. Before I say that, I'm where I'm at, it's really weird. I'm in like a tunnel, about 20, 25 foot so tunnel like this. And I'm up against the wall. I'm chained to the wall and I'm in a seated position. And one might think, well, hey, at least you're sitting. No, when you're sitting while you're being burned alive, you know, you want to move and run, but you can't. I'm forced to sit and endure this pain. Okay. And all that's in front is just rock, darkness and rock. And so I began hearing screams of millions and millions and millions, horrific my gut became like acid. It was so terrible listening to these people scream. I wanted to throw up. I, I was, I just, your heart, you're just, I couldn't see any of them. I could, but I could hear them. Millions and millions of people. And my heart was just like, all oh, these lost souls. They're experiencing what I'm experiencing. And in that moment, I realized that I was not, I knew they were in the pits of hell. That's kind of like the, the main hub, the main holding place of these people. But I would, had been taken from there and I had been placed in this particular chamber. And any of your viewers who watched enough of your show and other shows like yours know of other people that say the same thing. That's where I, when the Lord led me to your channel, oh, what a relief. I'm hearing these people talk about like, yeah, I was taken into this chamber and it was a specific type of torment. So I'm like, that, yeah, that was that was it. That was my experience. And that's when I knew this place was called the screaming chamber. You had in this place, you had to scream, 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 and scream the loudest you could possibly scream. You had to scream at an amplitude that was pleasing to hell. 
You could not stop. There was no pause. There was no rest ever. Screaming, screaming, screaming. And I was just, this foreboding doom came over me like, this is my eternity. I have to scream, scream. I'm hearing these people scream. So I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't handle listening to millions upon millions of people screaming their brains out in horror and in pain and in torment. So I was like looking for something else, anything else, anything else. And so I look ahead of me at these rocks. So, and I want to say too, what that, everything I've described so far, I call the first level of torments is your own, your own uh, torment and pain and suffering and how the suffering of others is inflicted upon you as well and you to them because they hear your screaming obviously as well. Um, so that was like the first level of torments. So I'm looking in front of me and I began to see these black shadows. They were maybe three, four feet tall. They were not big at all. And they were just darting in and out of the flames. And they were even darting in inside out of the rocks too. They could move wherever they wanted to. They were so black, Jennifer. The only way I could describe it is if you took a black hole in the universe, and if that black hole could take on bipedal form, that's how black these were. The blackest black you cannot even imagine. And the evil that came out from them, it gave me a whole new understanding of evil. You know, on earth, and I'm gonna speak what I truly believe in my conviction after having experienced this, what we experience on earth is the aftermath of obliging evil. But where I was in hell, I was experiencing the pure essence of evil itself within these beings. And it terrified me so bad that even my spirit body, our spirit bodies can ex it, imagine all of the knobs being cranked to eternity. That's being in the spirit. And these beings were so evil, even my spirit body with all this dynamics could not handle the evil. That's how evil they were. And I froze, which meant I stopped screaming. And that was very, very bad. Three of these dark shadows instantly ran up to me. There was one on run, one at my right leg, one at my left leg, and one in the middle. I'm I'm frozen. I just I can't handle this evil. So I can't move, I can't talk, I can't do anything. And the, the one on my left and the one on my right, they grabbed my hands and jerked my hands up in the air. And uh, then the one in the middle, he produced, it was like a wooden plank. And he slammed it on my lap. The two slammed my hands on top of that plank and held my hands down. Suddenly the one in the middle had nails in its hands and a hammer in the other. And I knew these were the same nails and hammer that Jesus endured. It was pure mockery of Jesus. They were like the Roman kind of square, and then they went down at a tip, and it was like a Roman hammer. And he put one of the nails on my finger and began beating recklessly, just back and forth like that. The first hit split my finger. The next hit drove it almost down. The third hit bent the nail over and cracked my finger off to the side. And then from there, the demon didn't care if it was smashing my fingers or hitting the nails. And it was, it's, you have to understand this reckless hatred that they have for God and for his creation. You cannot reason with demons. You don't, 
you don't bribe them. They are insane with hatred. They are out of their minds with hatred. And it was cackling. What It was just cackling and just smashing like this. And I began crying out in pain. And once I did that, I looked to my left and the demon was no longer a black shadow. I could, it had fully manifested itself. Oh my gosh. The, the only way it, I could describe it is it was like, it was part man, part wolf, part bear, and part hog. Mm. What does that look like? I'm trying to picture that. I, you know, I want, because again, I'm an artist. So I music, writing, drawing. I've been praying to the Lord because it would really disturb me to draw it, but I want to draw it just so people could see what I saw. Um, it was hairless. It it reeked. It, it like had maybe had like little stubby hairs coming out, but it just looked hideous. Its teeth were all distorted, but razor sharp. But what really got me was its eyes were blood red. They were the, it was blood, the color of blood with black irises. And when I began screaming and I looked up at its eyes, the demon had, it just got this euphoric look and it went back with its head and it's, and it started like gurgling these fumes of erotic satisfaction. It was high on my pain. The other thing I almost forgot to mention before that happened, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, at one point, I looked to my right and I saw a man, which shocked me. I was like, oh my God, this guy, he's also seated. He's far enough away from me that I cannot touch him. He cannot touch me. I cannot talk to him. When you're in hell, you are absolutely and utterly alone. You do not talk with anyone ever at all. Even if that person's standing right next to you, you are not conversing. And he seemed completely unaware of my existence. But what's strange is as soon as I saw him, I knew everything about him instantly. The need to know is I knew his name was James. I knew he died at the age of 55. He was very obese. Even in hell, he was obese. Skin bubbles would form on his stomach from the, you know, all the burning and then they would pop and the smoke would come up and just roll right up into his nostrils. And he, in his life, he did not care about his body. He did not care about life. He especially did not care about God. And he spent his entire life rejecting God over and over again. The Lord was just constantly, please, please, please. And he just rejected him. And that's how he would spend the rest of his eternity. I remember he looked up to heaven. He had no eyes. It was just black, empty sockets. He looked up to heaven and you could just, I could just see it. He just knew it was useless. It was too late. It was too late. And he dropped his head down and began sobbing, just sobbing. And of course, there's no tears in hell. And I felt so bad, but I just, I couldn't talk to him. You just can't. All of this and all that I saw of, uh, the demons was the second level of torment. I knew that I had to scream, scream, scream without stopping or these, or the demons would come back and do far worse things to me, far worse things to me. And that was the second level of torment. And then this, the realization of eternity became real to me. I 
in this place in the spiritual realm, I grasped eternity there, like I grasped one plus one equals two here. It made total sense there. I, and now that I'm back here, it's just like eternity. Wow, that's crazy. I know it's real, but my I can't get my mind wrapped around it. Well, you do there. Eternity became real to me. And I realized there is no getting out of this place. You just know you are never getting out of here. There is no half an hour break in, you know, in a 24-hour period. There's no parole. There's no bribing the demons. There's no nothing. You are here, and this is where you're going to stay forever and ever and ever and ever. And this doom, I, it's like my heart became a bottomless, nothingless. All hope is stripped away from you in hell. And you have to face, you know, I believe the curse, at least it was on me, but I believe the curse remains on those who choose to reject Jesus. They, they choose to live life without him. And so they'll spend eternity without him. And the only place to spend eternity without Jesus is that place. And we're, we're, we read in the Bible, having eyes to see, they refuse to see having, you know, which means you can see the, the spiritual truths but you refuse to, you fight against it. Having ears to hear, they refuse to listen. You know, the Lord's speaking to us and we, re, you know, we just refuse him. And that curse remains on you in hell because I didn't have eyes like these eyes. They were just black sockets. I just knew it. So you can't close your eyes. You have to watch everything. You, you can't not see. There's no closing your eyes in hell. My, these ears were gone. It was just holes in the side of my head. I could, you have to hear everything. You have to smell the smells of death, rotting human flesh and feces and everything disgusting. You have to smell it. And the taste is in you. You have to experience it in magnitudes. <laughs> magnitudes upon magnitudes. Um, and that was the third level of torments is that reality of forever and ever screaming without ending it was just more than i could bear but nothing would compare to the last and final torment that the lord revealed to me is that i knew i would never see god again wow hmm. this god who loved me so much and he's constantly pleading with us come let us reason together let's talk this out but people simply and that that has to be what the blasphemy of the holy spirit is is when he's speaking and he's drawing but we just say no i don't want you i don't want anything to do with you i want my my will be done i want it my way i'm a lover of pleasure and not a lover of god and he just he respects our, our, our free will. He respects that we will choose, but we are responsible. It's a great responsibility having a free will, a great responsibility. And uh, that realization came over me and I couldn't handle it. I think that's when the Lord said enough. All I remember is opening my eyes. I was still laying on my side in the exact same position. And I was seeing uh, the sunrise coming through the blinds. And that one, 
I didn't even know how to tell my wife about that. And I didn't. And I did not handle that well. It, I, I fell into the worst depression. Uh, who was that? I think it was Daniel. After seeing the visions he saw, he was sick. He got, he was sick for days. He couldn't eat. He just, you know, it just speak. did him in. Yeah. 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 It was just like that. I was, yeah. I would go to the grocery store, let's just say, and I just looking around at all these people. And I'm just like, how many of these people have no idea mm. what's waiting for them? They have no idea. They don't even care to know. And you just want to just grab the PA system in the grocery store. Attention, everyone. Stop what you're doing. Listen to me. <sighs> wow. Well, you know, I have a few questions for you. I mean, because this is really deep. And it's so opposite of heaven, how you describe Jesus being so humble and not, not yeah. taking a care that, you know, he was royal and he's God. His focus and his heart was on us to such a dark place and speaking of it being so dark, you know, what, what do you think was making you able to see, even though, which is crazy, you knew that you had no eyeballs, but yet yeah, you were able to see, what do you think that was? Because it, I mean, hell is super dark, right? You saw it for yourself. That's just it. That's so just what it. caused you to see? It's amazing that, yeah, you Jesus said, you know, Jesus mentioned multiple times of people being cast into the outer darkness. And that's what hell is. There is absolutely no light. Again, it's just the dynamics of the spiritual realm. Um, to be in absolute darkness and to be in the flames, the, the, the torment's all the better when you, on the one hand, are experiencing such a darkness. That darkness, we have to, you know... The first thing that the Lord created was light. And that light was not photon energy because it was until what, day four or so that God created the sun and the moon and the stars and everything else. This light is this, it's his light. He, he at one point before Adam and Eve, you know, created this curse, the light, he is the, his light is the life of men. And we have to understand that light, that light is revelation knowledge, his Shekinah glory. It brings everything into the openness where nothing is hidden. But the word of God speaks about how people don't want to come into the light because in the darkness, you know, your deeds aren't, you, so you think, exposed and you can do things in secret. And that's what hell is. So it's we can't, we got to think about it in more, more dynamically. Everything is so much more dynamically in the spirit. So yeah, it's darkness and people want to say, so you didn't see anything. It's, it's not like that. It's a darkness of the absence of the light of God, that kind of darkness, a darkness in your spirit, a darkness in your understanding, a darkness in your heart, a darkness of emotion, the darkness of hatred, the darkness of regret, the darkness of knowing that it's too late, that kind of a darkness. It, it envelops you, but at the same time, you see, you see these torments. You have to see it. You have to watch it. Speaking of seeing, I mean, nothing in hell, I guess, would make sense, right? Uh, when you saw the flames, because we know fire illuminates light. Did the fire illuminate any light? Not, not like fire here on earth. It's a fire that 
it, um, the only purpose of there was there was only one purpose of me being allowed to see the spire is so that I could observe how it consumes you. Our God is a consuming fire and he and he is a refiner's fire. And he refines us and then he cools us in the water and then he puts us back in the fire to refine us even more. And that's that process of a person who walks in obedience, humility and, and cooperative with with the working of the Lord. But there's that fire of his judgment and his wrath, too. And that place was prepared for Satan and for the fallen angels. But God's, God's not going to force anybody to go to heaven. If you don't want anything to do with God, he will sadly. You people have to understand how much it breaks God's heart. I used to think that, okay, so it must be like God's up on his throne and everything's perfect and happy and joyous and everybody's dancing around and God's having a good time. Well, yeah, but they don't understand his sorrow for his children. Imagine as a parent, your own child just flat out reject. I hate you. I don't want to do have anything to do with you. I'm out of here. I don't even want to talk to you again. How much it would break your heart. That pales in comparison to our Heavenly Father. When we, we spit on salvation and just, and sadly, he says, don't, but, and then once, once it's our time, it's too late. And we enter into that place. And so that fire is just that wrath and that judgment. So it wasn't a light like we would, like a firelight, campfire light. No, no. It was just the, I was only allowed to see it because, so that I could observe the torment it was causing me. Wow. And like these worms were caught. There were these worms. They would just bore into me. And it felt like acid. Just they would eat their way into you and crawl out of you. The smell that came from those worms was the worst. That was the worst. That these things, ugh, they just clung to your body, ate their. And that wasn't until later where Isaiah, uh, or what does it say? Worms yeah. shall cover you, shall uh -huh. be your bed. Then they don't die. You're like, oh my gosh, that is real. And other people, you know, other testimonies were the same thing. Maggots or worms, just everything, anything horrific and things that we, you couldn't even imagine. That, you know, um, you know, we talked before, there's just some things that I, I can't say. It's just too inappropriate that uh, you, that people will experience in hell. It's just wow. awful, just awful. So, you know, when, say when, a person is going through things, you know, how the saying misery loves company, right? Did it give you some kind of comfort, even though there's no comfort in hell to know that you weren't the only one going through what you were going through when you were in hell, when you heard the screams, did you have any comfort whatsoever that, okay, at least I'm not the only one going through this? No, you know, I hope this isn't too, um, I did, you imagine you're, you're cruising along the interstate and a car in front of you, something happens, and they get in a wreck. You jump out of your car and just, and you see the person struggling with their seatbelt, and you're trying, and you're running up to the car, and suddenly the car bursts in flames. And you're watching that person. And they're just so panicked, and and, and you know there's nothing you can do to save them. And you and, and all you can do is watch them. That 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 was my experience it's just observing people's torment for your own torment 
because you, you, there's nothing you can do to help them. You can't talk to them. You can't help them. Wow. And why just, do you why do you think Jesus let you experience hell in this way? Because both heaven and hell. I've had angelic encounters. I might have to write a book because this has been a lifelong journey. Um, it got to the point where the the last vision I saw was the uh, I was on a high mountain, glorious clouds, and I saw the right arm of God. That was all I was allowed to see come out from heaven. His arm, a mighty right hand. Oh my gosh, so huge. And the Lord said, Joel, every time he speaks to me, he says my name. He tells me what he, the truth he's going to speak to me. And then he gives me his word to back it up so I can know it's him. He said, Joel, I have shown you everything. There is nothing that you have not seen that I could show you. And, and it's time now you need to go tell. So he, he, I know that, it, it, again, why I had to wait so long, I, I don't need to know why. I'm here now. Praise the name of Jesus. I'm here now. This has been years of waiting. Um, but I know that Jesus doesn't just, he do, He will not reveal himself in a way like this so that we dig a hole and bury, the, bury it in dirt. He shows us these things, and then he gives us that zeal to share with the world because there are people who profess to believe in Jesus who believe hell does not exist. There's no hell. They believe there's no afterlife. Once you die, you die. And then God will raise, raise you up from the dead eventually. There are people who just don't want to believe in hell. And uh, the sad, sad reality is, is, is the spirit realm is far, 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 indescribably so far more real than this realm. Mm. This realm is so limited. It's so limited. In hell, there are no limitations. The pain I was experiencing, you could never experience anything like hell here on earth. You could not, when people are like, oh yeah, I've been through my personal hell. I, I, I just, I can't deal with that. You know, um, oh, this is hell on earth. No, no, it is not. And thank God it is not. Um, things like that, you know. Uh, but I believe he did, he wanted me to see both sides the full the full reality of the spiritual realm and everything in between angels demons uh, in their various forms and their manifestations and why their purpose and what it all means you know this life is about connecting with god through jesus there is no other name there is no other means he is the door to god and whoever you are, that you can, it's all about having a relationship. He is the God of love. He doesn't want you to just believe in him and then go about your merry way. He wants us to engage with him. And the thing is, if God didn't exist, believe me, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm also not an idiot. And I can't make up a fake relationship with something that doesn't exist and have the experiences that I've had that have... Now I have photographic evidence. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't experience these things if God does not exist. He more than exists. He's the reason why we exist. And he wants this love relationship. And it's an intimacy that is just so far more intimate than anything else I've ever experienced in my life. Thanks to Jesus. Oh, man, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. One other thing I wanted to send out as an invite. Um, 
after I was this experience, I was sharing with my mother everything, and she stopped me when I was describing to her how this demon was nailing my fingers down to this board. My mom, who is spirit filled, always has been. She stopped me and said, Joel, do you know why they were nailing your fingers down? And I said, honestly, I don't. I have no idea. She said, it's because you were born with musical talents. And you have given those talents over to God to use for his kingdom and for his glory. And they do not like that. They do not want you writing music for Jesus, which obviously inspired me all the more. Um, so I have written two songs. Uh, one is about the hell experience. The song is called Screaming Chamber. It is written in a very heavy metal, a very aggressive metal form. That's the only way. I just wanted to write something that could as closely as possible depict in a musical form what I experienced. Um, I also wrote another song. Again, seeing Jesus's eyes. I will never forget that ever. And I cannot wait to see his eyes again. His eyes. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I wrote a song, too. Um, it's in the works, but it's at a point. If you are interested in hearing either one or both of these tracks, again, email me, joelbrim at gmail.com, and I'll reply, send the tracks, and uh, listen to it. Tell me what you think. I hope both of them uh, point you to Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so if there's anybody watching right now who's like, oh, my gosh, I want this heaven at Joel into where God actually loves me so much that he would chase me down and he would whisper in my ear and let me know how much he loves me and know that he is real and how he has a wonderful laugh and a great smile and beautiful eyes and how so much he cares about the people. And it's a land of perfection. But I don't want to go to that awful hell where like you said, Joel, like it's stuff that you couldn't even mention because it was so vile. What would you say to that person right now who needs a reality check? Yeah, I'm looking straight into the camera too. I'm talking to you. I know this is a divine appointment. I waited 15 years for this moment, prayed and prayed and asked the Lord. And he would always tell me, wait, wait, keep your eyes on me follow me and wait. If you're watching this and you feel this stirring in your heart, if you feel conviction in your heart, that's a very good thing. We've all done it. You're not alone. We have tried to find some sort of happiness, some sort of solace and peace, comfort, joy, pleasure in this world. And there are millions of different ways people have tried throughout the span of humanity and no one comes out of it happy i think of king solomon he had everything and more that a person could ever dream of and he was the most miserable guy on earth until he started to realize like everyone else that there is only one source of true peace in your life and that is when you reach out to jesus don't wait until you get perfect because you won't. Don't put the burden of righteousness on yourself because we don't have it in us. The word of God says all of our righteousness in and of ourselves is like filthy rats in the sight of God. You need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't have it in me, but you do. And I want you. 
He loves us so much that even when we were his worst enemies, he still came to die and take every sin, every shortcoming, every mistake, everything that you've ever done on his own back and die that death as a payment because God is a just God. He will not turn a blind eye to sin. And sin is all against him. David said, against you and you alone have I sinned. And God takes great offense to that. Just like you as a parent would when your child blatantly disobeys you. Just like as a manager, when your employee does anything and everything but what you tell them to do. Now take that to the spiritual level. It has an eternal effect. It has a ripple effect and it affects the world around us. And that's why the world is the way it is. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Open your heart up to him and just say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. And you believe and just be humble in your heart. Jesus will not turn you away. Receive. It's a gift. It's a present from God to you. You can't earn it. You can never pay him back. It's a present. Open it up and make it yours and watch your life get turned around. The fact that you just shared a wonderful salvation message, how much Jesus loves you and how serious it is when we keep running away from him. But yet this is the only place where God will chase after well, on earth. Well, Jesus did chase you in heaven, but, but that's because you were still, you know, not dead or, or, or not raptured. Um, thank you so much. And could you just pray for them right now? And I just want to really commend you for sharing this. I know you said it took so many years for you to share this message. <laughs> and I pray that so many people received it the way that God wants it to be received. Yeah. Thank you so much. Can you pray right now for the viewers watching? Yeah, I would be honored. Before I do, I want to tell you one last thing. I've on I have my notes in big letters. Don't forget to share this. There's probably people out there who are thinking, gosh, you know, I wish I could see Jesus too. I wish, you know, I want to have this heaven experience. Just remember this. The blessing is for those who have not seen, but still believe. Amen. When Thomas was like, you know, he wanted to see, I got to see it. And Jesus told him, blessed are those who have not seen me, but yeah. still believe. So the blessing is for you. Uh, the first time I read that, you know, I closed my eyes like, Jesus, I don't need to see you. I believe, I believe. He chose this for a reason, okay? So this is your opportunity to respond now. Please do so, and please pray with me, okay? Here we go. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we glorify and exalt you, O oh God, that we could even taste and see in part. For now, we know in part. And you have revealed yourself to us by your Holy Spirit, who has been poured out and comes alongside us and stands with us as an advocate and, and teaches us, Lord. We have your word. Jesus, you are the word that uh, we can spend our day with you every day, all day, into the night. You're always there. There is, there, you, you are enraptured with every detail of our life and you care about everything and we can come to you always you you have never i know i know jennifer will will declare this too you have never once failed me 
at all of my needs. You're always there. And we are so grateful for you. And I just pray for those who are watching right now who maybe, maybe have turned away have backslidden from you as I once did, or for the person who's like, what is this God thing all about? What is this Jesus thing all about? Lord, pull them in, draw them in, that they may know it is you. It is you yourself saying, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. If anyone thirsts, come. He will not turn anyone away, anyone, no matter who you are. So Lord, we thank you for this time. And we thank you for blessing and anointing it. Let, it. let it reach as many people, Lord. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for this new life, this covenant, this Zoe life that goes on forever and ever, and these fruits. Thank you for all of these marvelous and amazing things. We love you, and we pray in your name, Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Joel Brim, thank you so much. And if anyone wants to reach you or to contact you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, I will uh, do my best, especially if uh, if you want to know more about Jesus, if you want to grow in your walk, if you're a new believer, I would love to reach out to you. So you don't have to go through the years and years of anguish that I did about what it really means to walk with Jesus and have his righteousness imparted to you, to know who you are in him. I can be reached at Joel Brim. J-O-E-L-B, like boy, R-I-M, like man, at gmail.com. That would be the best way. Amen. Amen. Joel Brim, thank you again so much. And thank hopefully you. we'll be able to speak again. That would be great. Anytime. If you'd like to be born again and give your life to Jesus Christ today, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and am lost without you. I'm convinced that you're my only saving grace and my only hope. No longer do I want to do life without you. I believe that you came to earth to die on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead three days later, and are coming back for me one day soon. Please come into my heart and be my Lord, Savior, and friend. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, get yourself a Bible and read it daily and ask God to interpret every word for you. Then surround yourself with like-minded believers in Jesus Christ. Congratulations and welcome to the family.